Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So, Sean, this is strange. Uh, Even though today we're recording in November, I want to be the first one to wish you a happy new year. Happy New Year, brother. Oh, Happy New Year, Tom. I hope this year brings uh, some more joy and uh, maybe some some consistency that we didn't have in the last year. May it be so. (laughs) And with the new year beginning, we thought this would be a great opportunity to do a flyover of PIR Ministries for our listeners, who we are, how we seek to serve, and the variety of resources that can be accessed through the ministry. So who better to be our first guest of the new year than our very own Roy Yankee, who serves as Executive Director of PIR Ministries. Roy, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Sean. And Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you guys as well. (laughs) Yeah, I I echo the sentiments that Sean just shared. So Roy, you more than anyone have your finger on the pulse of PIR and how we might best serve ministry leaders. But before we delve into all that, uh, I'd love if you would tell us a little bit of your story and how you came to PIR and what your role is. So um, in order to tell my story, uh, it is a story that's written large by the hand of God's mercy and grace. To be sitting in this role uh, as the executive director of PIR Ministries was not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. Having grown up in a very nominal Christian home, I, I started following Jesus in high school. And even there, um, I experienced a sense of God's call to ministry. Uh, originally, I was going to go to architectural engineering school, following my dad's footsteps at Georgia Tech, but uh, God had other plans. So I, uh, I entered into ministry training and eventually into uh, a pastoral role, which I served uh, in a variety of ways for about 17 years. Uh, unfortunately, I carried with me uh, some baggage into my walk with Jesus and also into my ministry life. And so just to kind of give you the Reader's Digest version of that, um, that baggage eventually led to a, a major crash and burn. I was serving as a senior pastor in a redevelopment work, which was going astoundingly well by God's grace. And yet um, I was living a secret life uh, behind the scenes. And so um, when I had run out of options uh, trying to manage my sin, even while I was serving God. The Lord said, "That's we, we've, we need to stop this. You've done it your way long enough. Now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had to step out of ministry uh, by force during uh, a period of time when um, it, it was really um, a difficult time for my family as well. Uh, so I, I left ministry. And there's a whole piece of that because I was out of ministry for a little over seven years at that point. And when I returned to any kind of semblance of normal life, um, there was another 17-year period where I was working in manufacturing and particularly in the quality world because uh, stepping back into a ministry role was not going to be healthy for me or for anybody that I was going to serve. And so uh, my family, we plugged into a local church and it's been awesome because that family has 
embraced us and they know our story. They've loved us and they've actually created a informal restoration process, which while the one we have as a ministry is more intentional and defined, it still served the purpose for walking Mm -hmm. me through a restoration uh, of my life and of my relationship with God and the church and certainly um, eventually uh, into ministry again. But it was a long journey and uh, it was a long time for me to get to that place where I could even ask the question, would it be all right, God, if I step back into a ministry role? And that's when he introduced me to PIR. We had a gentleman attending our church who had known the founder, Chuck uh, Wickman, and had actually done the PIR program for a number of people when he was pastoring churches. I'd never heard of PIR, which I think is a story we often Mm. hear repeated (laughs) by pastors. But he introduced me to the ministry, to uh, our that current executive director at Lockmiller at that time, and uh, the rest is is history as far as that goes. Uh, joined PIR uh, nine years ago, and uh, eventually became uh, the executive director uh, about a little over two years ago. And so, in that role, I serve um, at, to direct the the ministry to. Um, encourage the staff. That's a big piece for me uh, to see staff uh, grow and develop because uh, as we'll talk maybe later, I suppose, one of our core values is building relationships. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that has to start at home. And we uh, are a very committed ministry to our staff um, because through the staff, through you guys, uh, people hear about and know about PIR, but more importantly, are introduced perhaps reintroduced to the hope that the gospel provides uh, for pastors and pastoral families. And so um, I, I serve, you know, do strategic planning, all the typical stuff that an executive director of a nonprofit does. Um, but that's the biggest piece is building relationships. Hmm. And, and that kind of echoes into then the vision that Chuck Wickman had for a ministry like PIR. Could you tell us just a little bit about uh, the history of, of PIR? Dr. Wickman got his doctorate degree in uh, pastoral transitions. That was his thesis. So he spent a lot of time exploring back in the day when uh, the idea of of ministries serving pastors was really a brand new thing. Uh, In reality, PIR as a ministry was on the cutting edge. We were one of the first ministries that actually began to focus on uh, pastoral transitions and how to bring healing and hope to that. So he was pastoring uh, in California and uh, having done his doctoral work, came across by God's grace, a gentleman who was uh, exited, had just been recently exited from his ministry. And he and his church started the pastor in residence program uh, right there and then, he and his elders. And uh, they served that pastor family for uh, a year, about, well, I guess about two years, and then uh, eventually sent them off to return to ministry. And uh Brother Jim Amandus, who was that pastor, uh, just retired from 20 years of ministry in a a church in the Seattle area, became a multi-site church. And actually, Jim has uh, joined us as an associate staff member now after retiring. So Dr. Wickman retired and took the ministry national after his retirement. And since that time, and that was over 25 years ago. So we've been at this a long time. Hmm. He uh, has helped and the ministry has helped hundreds, hundreds of pastors and their families during that time. Yeah, I was going to ask where where we see PIR kind of playing a critical role in, in kingdom life. 
So the, the mantra that many ministries like ours today share is that healthy pastors lead healthy churches. And in particular, there are aspects of PIR's ministry that really demonstrate the power of the gospel and the importance of, of kingdom work. So in particular, uh, when a pastor and his family are restored to ministry, it becomes a clear demonstration of the grace of God. And their renewal, their, the restoration of hope that they have um, just shines as a demonstration of that. In addition to that, a church who, which we call refuge churches, hosts that family for the, the program, that church understands the grace of God even more deeply. That becomes embedded in their DNA if it wasn't already. Uh, to be able to, to help wounded people, whether they're pastors or not, um, understand the restoring grace of Jesus. And when pastors are re restored to their ministry, when we get them back in the saddle, if you will, that kingdom work continues. We're, we're not seeing subtractions from ministry. We're seeing restoration where the kingdom work can continue and probably in a more powerful way because those who are restored often understand ministry life better and what those challenges would be and they're healthier when they step back into that role. So, Roy, I just want to uh, pretend that I don't know anything about the ministry for a moment. Um, could you tell me where you get this uh, abbreviation PIR? Did you just throw a you know dart at, at the alphabet and see what sticks? Or uh, where, where's this name come from? And then uh, what is this ministry all about? You know, what's, what's your mission? Yeah, so um, <laughs> we... <laughs> We get many iterations of our, our name. Uh, I've had people call it per ministries, like we're, you know, herding cats, which sometimes we do. Um, but uh, PIR ministries actually is a, the acronym comes from pastor in residence. That's the official corporate name of the ministry that uh, Chuck, uh, when he started this, that's, that's the way he named it. So over time, uh, pastor in residence ministries is quite a mouthful. So we decided to shorten it up to PIR Ministries, but that, of course, generates a whole lot of questions in and of itself. What the heck is that, you know? That's what it stands for because our core process is the Pastor in Residence Program. But the mission uh, that PIR Ministry has is, is really, as going back to what we were already talking about, the demonstration of the gospel and, and what God's grace is able to do. So um, there are some key components to our mission. Uh, we uh, believe in partnerships. That's a foundational core value as well. So it kind of feeds into that relational piece that we talked about earlier. So partnerships, especially with God, because we know that God's the only one that can actually do the restoration work. We, we have tools and programs and all the rest of that. But fundamentally, God has got to do that work in someone's heart and life to see the restoration happen. So we partner with God. We partner with the local church. And this is kind of where we stand apart in some ways, I think, because our belief is that the local church is the instrument through which God works his grace in people's lives. Um, it is the church is the hands and feet of Jesus in a very practical way. And so that applies to a pastoral family who's in need of restoration and healing. So the partnership is with God and with the local church. And, and in that, as we do that and partner with that way, we, we are in the process of helping pastors be renewed if they're not exited or restored if they are, okay? 
And we want to, the, another fundamental piece is understanding that the hope of the gospel is so important. So we're providing mm-hmm. hope. Okay. We're saying there is a path back or there is a way through the challenges of ministry life or the transitions that you may have faced. And so, and again, fundamental to that underneath one of the core values and all of that is building relationships to make that happen. So it sounds like you might want to have something available to pastors that would renew their hope, uh, like a podcast or something. Well, maybe like (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'll probably edit that out. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) Sorry, Sean, I'll let you keep going with this. Well, I was just going to say that uh, a lot of times people confuse the the PIR name with uh, kind of our tag that we are partners in renewal, uh, that we're we're coming alongside pastors to help them uh, find that new hope or renew their hope in Christ. So that's uh, that's a great piece. Uh, how is PIR uh, poised to carry out its mission? Yeah, so we are poised in that way because um, we bu- we build staff. So again, I want to come back to that over and over again, that the, the fundamental core value we have is the relational piece. And so the staff are really the key part of this. We have tools, which we'll, I'll talk about in a second, but, but fundamentally it's how staff interact with pastors, how they encourage them, how they are the ones who talk about the hope that we have in the gospel. And so uh, poised to carry out its mission is the tippy-toe approach that all of our staff take and leaning into the opportunities that God gives us to to engage with pastors and also to engage in a larger way with other uh, opportunities with denominations and church groups and, and those kinds of things. But then we have tools, and those uh, tools are tried and tested. They've been around a long time, and especially the core one, which is the Pastor in Residence program, which we uh, can set up in a local church called a refuge church, then becomes a host for a pastoral family who's in transition. Uh, That one is fundamental to us, and it's something we will always maintain. But around that, uh, even as Chuck envisioned years ago, We've begun to build around that things that support that, but also build off of it from the relational standpoint, things like providing coaching uh, for pastors who may have a hurdle that they're trying to get through in ministry, or they're facing a particular challenge and they just need a listening partner. They need somebody who can feed back to them questions and responses and maybe some insights along the way. And then we also have an assessment tool that's really become uh, important for us called the PRO-D assessment. PRO-D stands for Person, Role, Organization, and Development of Self-Awareness in all three of those areas. And so that assessment tool has been huge with pastors in the Pastor-in-Residence program, with pastors who simply want to grow in their own self-awareness and how they can improve their ministry life. Uh, we've been working with a seminary to help their students benchmark where they are in terms of ministry life. So it's a really critical tool and uh, it's really helpful. Um, then we do things just like workshops and seminars that we put on when we have the opportunity to talk about the challenges of ministry life, like burnout and conflict, uh, and certainly more compromise, uh, those kinds of things. Um, so There are other pieces to what we do as well that we can uh, offer to churches and pastors, but those are the fundamental ones. Roy, you um, mentioned 
both renewal and restoration uh, in our work with pastors. Uh, renewal, kind of uh, where they are in ministry, restoration after a forced exit. And uh, I know oftentimes that that's kind of the unique aspect of the ministry is, is walking with the pastor and family after uh, a forced termination or an untimely exit. And so the, the pastor and residence program, along with the refuge church, which you've already mentioned, oftentimes are viewed as very unique and uh, maybe a little hard for, for people to grasp. Would you mind just spending a, a little bit of time unpacking what the PIR program or process looks like and, and what a refuge church uh, role looks like? So fundamentally, it's an intentional process where a pastor and, and family, because it involves the family, can walk through a period of time where not having ministry responsibilities, they can unpack what took place to them, deal with some of the spiritual and emotional issues that they had to deal with and confront, maybe even in themselves, uh, that might have contributed to that exit. But they do that in a safe environment in the refuge church. So that refuge church becomes a haven for them to step back, to rest, to get perspective, to find that the church, which oftentimes can be the wounding party in, in those difficult transitions, that the church is also the healing place, that people can be kind, they can be gracious, they can be hospitable. And that's what we found many times in talking to those who've gone through the program. It's just the sense of restoration to the church as not an enemy, but someone who actually can heal and do the work that the gospel calls us to. So the pastor in residence program um, is we, we can tailor that to any situation. That's the wonder of it. It's very flexible, although it has core pieces to it. But when a pastor family enters into the pastor in residence program, we connect them with the refuge church. That refuge church provides uh, a place for them to be a community of believers to be a part of. And then there's a small group that we train, which is called a support team. And those are the people who interact with that pastoral couple, the family, most directly over a period of six to eight months. And during that time, they're walking through the materials that we provide, um, which Chuck developed, which are extraordinary in developing that sense of here's what's happened here's where I am now with God, and here's where I think God wants to take me in the future, which are three really important pieces in the restoration process. And so that Refuge Church for, I don't know, six to eight months, sometimes they've gone on for a year, just depending on schedule, uh, just ministers to that pastoral family in that way. And then when uh, they are done with the program, uh, they are not part of the staff of the church. It's uh, we hope that they will find ministry opportunities, and we, we encourage that during the pastor and residence program. But then they are free to step into the next chapter that God has written for them. And so the Refuge Church then becomes a springboard, and also because of the relationships, and we're back to that relationship piece, because of those relationships, they have prayer support, they have encouragement on going past the pastor and residence program. Roy, what in, in that refuge church, what role does the senior pastor of that church play in, in the whole process? Many times that's one of the first questions we get asked when we're engaging a refuge church in the process. 
And because we believe we don't, we don't want that senior pastor to become a client uh, down the line. So we tell them, yeah, you're going to help set this up, but your role is not to run the program. That's the support team. They will keep you appraised of what's going on, but then you can be free to be a personal encouragement to that pastor and residents and their family in ways that are appropriate. But the responsibility for running the program or being a part of the support team, that's not there for the senior pastor. We're not trying to add to their tasks that they have to do. We want this to be embedded in the local church, that the local church, the lay people have that opportunity to minister to a pastor or family. And it's amazing. We've heard this story over and over again, how when that happens, those lay people get a brand new perspective on pastoral ministry. They can pray for and encourage their own pastor in new ways because of what they're experiencing during that time. Kind of that, that I don't want to say added benefit because it makes it sound uh, you know more, more like a product, but the added impact of the ministry of the Holy Spirit through a process like the, the PIR process goes far beyond something that we could just outline as, you know, this will be the end product of, of what happens when you go through. It, it really is yielding and opening ourselves up to what the gospel can be and um, be about in, in our lives and the lives of the church. Absolutely. And you keep mentioning uh, relationships. And I, I know being part of PIR, that, that is a, a huge part of, of how we go about doing ministries. So I, I know we don't present ourselves as kind of a one-stop shop for any ail or, or illness uh, regarding pastoral ministry or ministry leadership and uh, really do value the connections we have with other similar type ministries. Could you talk a little bit about uh, networking and, and how we uh, want to use that as a resource for ministry leadership? Yeah, uh, the, we, we don't believe we're a one-stop shop. And again, this is the beauty of relationships and partnerships. Um, we can focus on the core things that God has given us to do, the niche that he has given us to fill. And we can link arms with sister and brother ministries that share the same passion, the same uh, mission to see pastors be healthy or to be renewed or restored. And in the 25 years that PIR has been around, and even in my experience in the last nine years in this ministry, the number of ministries that are uh, aimed at doing that has increased exponentially, probably in relation to the amount of need that's out there. So there are many good ministries out there, and we work hard to connect with those that we really feel uh, can be partners in this work that we uh, trust one another in this work and we, ref we can refer when we need to. So things like retreat centers, we're not a retreat center. We don't have one, but we have connections to retreat centers all across the country. Counselors, we are not counselors, but again, we have counseling connections all across the country. So all of those kinds of things that depending on the need that's there, if we can't fill it through our core uh, processes, then we have partners that we trust that we can hand them off to with confidence. And we're, we're always looking to do that. So we already have some very key strategic partnerships uh, right now. And uh, one of the ones that I'm really excited about that's developing because of the conversations that we've had as a staff is with uh, certain small church ministries like Rural Matters Institute and um, some of the conferences that are dedicated to small church pastors. 
Yeah, we recently had uh, Chris Fitterelli on uh, Small Church Big Deal. Really excited about that partnership as well. Roy, uh, if a pastor finds themselves kind of stuck, uh, they just don't know uh, where they're going, or maybe maybe they're wondering, am I in burnout? What's happening here? Uh, what types of uh, self-assessments do we have that they can use to, to figure out what's going on and what's their next step? Yeah, so um, we have a, on our website, we have a, a brief survey uh, for pastors who may be concerned about burnout, but also uh, conflict what their uh, compassion fatigue might be or their ability or uh, inability to handle or navigate conflict. Um, the, certainly the pro D assessment fits into uh, the bigger picture of uh, self-awareness. And that's a big piece, I think, for us, because this is just an opinion that I have, and I think I've seen it play out, and, and maybe you guys have too, is that um, we, aren't, we don't spend a lot of time in ministry training talking about self-awareness, about what we bring to the table when we come into a ministry role. And so building that self-awareness, which is a lifelong process, uh, is really important. And the Pro-D can help with that. So can some of the other things that we do in ministry, just asking good questions about why people do things the way they do. Back to your original question, though, Sean, if they go to the website, there there are some tools there. Uh, We also have some additional kinds of tools that we can send out to them if they request it. But the pro D again, kind of stands out as the fundamental piece for that. So describe that a little bit more. What, what is the pro D? What does it do? So the pro D, if people are familiar with things like strengths finders and disc and all of those assessments that people tend to do, it's similar in many ways. The first part of the assessment really does focus on the person. That's why Pro is person, role, organization. And it focuses on strengths and weaknesses, areas that people are strong in, areas where they might need some growth. And we can unpack that with them as uh, they walk through the assessment. We, we have them do it online. That's a, it's a 600 question assessment. So it's very robust. And then we unpack that with them in a consult. And so we look at those strengths and weaknesses, and hopefully that begins the process of self-awareness. But the really powerful piece of the assessment is when we get to the second half where it's, all right, here's who you are. How does that match up, especially for pastors who are in ministry at this time, how does that match up with the role you're in and the organizational culture you're a part of? Does it support who you are? Where are those areas where there's dissonance? So that you can work on that and maybe build some bridges that you hadn't thought about before. And that's where the real power of it is. And even for the, those who go through the pastor and residence program, which they take the pro D during that, they can reflect back on the role they were in. And was it a good fit? Because it's, it's about role fit. It's, uh, I talk about the shape of the calling. Sometimes we assume a certain shape to the calling that God has on our lives. And so growing in self-awareness through tools like the Pro-D can help us understand that maybe going forward, the shape of the calling changes, not the calling, but the shape of it. And we've had many people go through the pastor and residence program who have said, you know what, I thought I should be a senior pastor, but really I need to be a counselor or I need to be training other pastors. So there's other ways to serve and to express the calling that God has in your life. And so the Pro-D can be helpful that way. 
We've mentioned the website, pirministries.org, as being a, a kind of a, a bulletin board of all these things we've been talking about. Um, but it kind of brings the question to my mind. One of the things that uh, I've been asked and that I think we find in the ministry is just how do pastors, how do ministry leaders or those concerned for ministry leadership get connected with, with PIR? That's a very good question. One we often struggle with, uh, and we try our best to communicate who we are and get the word out through podcasts and other things that we do. The biggest piece that people, the way people find their way to PIR is again through relationships. We have many referrals that take place. As we build relationships with our partners, with churches, with denominations, which we do, they are able then to say to someone who's in a hurting place, here's a group of people that really can care about you. They have some great tools and resources. Go talk to them. Sometimes, uh, and this may be increasingly so, through the blogs that we write, through the podcasts that we do, there's a lot of connection that happens that way. People find us. Uh, we're on a number of different sites uh, writing about pastoral issues and renewal and restoration. Uh, I know Sean does a tremendous amount of work with that. And, and we're on things like biblicalleadership.com and those other kinds of sites. So that's another way that they find us. They will connect that way. Um, but the relationship piece is probably the biggest piece. I know that when someone's hurting and they're in transition, Google becomes the friend hmm. as they're looking for ways to find resources and help. And so website searches sometimes brings people to us. When someone comes to PIR, what, what can they expect? Well, first and foremost, they can expect a, a welcome, hospitality, and a listening ear. That's what we're all about. We don't make assumptions. We want to hear everybody's story because everybody's story is unique. It's not a cookie cutter approach to things. We don't have a, a checklist that says, okay, you fit into this box. So we listen well, we try to listen well, and then be able to uh, apply the kinds of resources and help that would be appropriate in those, those situations. Sometimes it's a referral, simply a pass through to someone else who can meet the need. Uh, oftentimes from there, it's, well, let's talk for a while and then see if some of the tools that we have might be helpful to you and then connecting them with those. Um, but certainly it's, it's all about hospitality and having someone say, I get it. And I, this is a big piece that I'm very proud of about this ministry in terms of the staff, because all of us are like this and all of us have had those bumpy experiences mm. in ministry. Amen. And so we get it. We understand. We know what the challenges are like and what can possibly happen if we don't attend to those things in a healthy way. So they're going to find people who really understand and know also what God can do if we allow him to. So Roy, if, uh, if pastors are listening to this and they're saying to themselves, boy, I could really use, you know, one of these resources you mentioned, whether it's coaching or pro D, uh, what are some of the costs associated with those and how do they sign up? One of the things that we're very uh, keen about is trying to make sure that these tools are accessible. Chuck always had that in his mind when he started this ministry. So uh, this is stuff that's on the low shelf, you know, that people can grab a hold of. So the costs for things like coaching, 
Um, we have different packages that um, combine the pro D with coaching or just coaching by itself. And it can run the gambit of, uh, you know, three to 600, maybe $800 to, to go through that. And we're very willing to work with people on those kinds of, of costs and make them palatable, you know, and accessible. Uh, the pastor in residence program, <laughs> you'd ask this a lot, a local church, a small church can have access to the pastor in residence program because there is simply a $650 upfront cost and that's it. The rest of it is just relationships and community building and, and those kinds of things in a, in a refuge church. The Prodi assessment on its own can be accessed. That's uh, 250 bucks. It's well worth it to go through that process. So again, all of these things are, we try to price them and, and have the costs of them that are accessible to, to any pastor. And they would just connect with, through us, with us through the website. They can get a hold of you guys as, as staff members. Uh, if they go on the website, all of your profiles are there and contact information so they can connect with you that way. Uh, they don't have to go directly through the, uh, the info at PIR Ministries uh, uh, email. Those are the ways they just need to get in touch with us. They can call us. They can email us. They can email you. So we want this to be available and uh, it's easy. Easy access, easy cost. And I'm thinking too, that uh, not everyone who's familiar with PIR uh, or knows of the mission of PIR can find themselves in a situation where they're needing to benefit from, from our service. And yet they, they feel very strongly for the vision uh, that God's given the ministry. So we do have a, a, a cadre of people who are uh, supporters of the ministry uh, underwriters even, uh, and have that passion, that desire to see the ministry be accessible to those who can really benefit from it. And I think also for, for anyone who's listening and, and thinking, you know, wow, that, that's great. I know someone who could use this. It's maybe not for me. I love the idea that we can have PIR be just something for your tool belt, uh, especially for, for pastors as they interact with other pastors and begin to hear some of the concerns maybe that are being raised and wonder, wow, what, what might be able to serve them to just, you know, tuck that little PIR piece in your tool belt to, to know, yeah, this is, this is a way I can help my, my uh, fellow workers in the vineyard. Absolutely. We'd, <clears throat> we'd actually love to have our phone number and email address uh, taped to the desk of every denominational official Um <laughs> Uh, every every pastor, uh, certainly. And we do have people who really care about pastors that are a part of this work from partners uh, who, in prayer, partners who financially support us. All of us, frankly, are missionaries. Uh, so we are a faith-based mission. And so we have to raise support, all of us on staff. And those supporters believe in what we're doing. They believe in our mission. They believe in what needs to happen for pastors and they believe in us as staff and as people who are carrying out that mission. And so it's really exciting to see that when people join up and say, yeah, I get this. Uh, I, because th sometimes it's even, I want to do this on behalf of my own pastor. You know, I want to be a part of this ministry because my pastor needs to have somebody if, if they ever need to, to, to talk to. And so we would invite anybody who wants to be a part of this ministry, <clears throat> get in touch with us. We'd love to have you become a partner with us. I, I think it'd, it'd be worthwhile to, to talk just a little bit more about clergy coaching, 
what what does that process look like uh, for a pastor? I, I know it's different from from pastor to pastor, but if you can give us a big picture, oh, what am I signing up for if I sign up for clergy coaching? The clergy coaching that we do is, I think, fundamentally different than even peer-to-peer or mentor groups like that or cohorts that uh, are becoming very popular today because you have someone who is truly a third party, um, but someone who has that unique perspective on pastoral ministry having been through uh, the grind and understands the pitfalls and the, the challenges that can and happen and has experienced oftentimes because of failure, their own sense of God's grace and what God can do. As a side note to that, I often sit across the table or when I'm doing a coaching, sometimes I will begin with this and saying, look, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know God's not done with you yet. And I can say that with absolute confidence because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the life of the people who are part of this ministry and the hundreds of pastors that we have served. So clergy coaching comes at it from that standpoint, that it's it's not just sharing technical skills or gosh, you know, what should I preach on next week, which are all important things, but it gets down to the nitty gritty of what a pastor and uh, maybe his family are facing when it comes to um, people not caring well for them or facing their own sense of burnout, uh, just getting outside the boundary lines in their own life. Um, how do, how do I deal with that? How do I, what are the things that I can do to get myself back centered in Christ and, and on a path that's healthy? So in coaching, we're talking about those kinds of things and we're asking questions. That's the fundamental piece is asking questions, not simply giving advice. We're not advice givers. We hope we can provide insights, but we want to draw out a person's own sense of what the solutions might be that they can find in God. So we ask questions in, in, in a sense to help people understand where they are, where they, and then where they want to be. And then the questions we ask you help them discover the, the way to get there on their own in many ways. It's not, not us telling them it's, it's uh, just a journey of discovery, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. And that's the joy of it. I know from where I sit in doing coaching is having the light bulb go on for people for themselves. When they, they go, they have those aha moments and they go, oh, okay, now I see the connection between this and that. But how often that takes just someone else, as you say, sitting in third party role, being that, I, I love the phrase we use, uh, being that thinking partner, there's partnerships again, mm-hmm. to open these things up and discover uh, together. Uh, how it is God's at work and how God is moving them forward toward hope. Yeah, absolutely. So as we stand on the cusp of the new year, uh, we're all kind of thinking what uh, potentially could be. So what's, what's your vision and hope for PIR as we move forward? Mm. Yeah. So my vision for PIR is that we would have a staff that continues to grow and deepen in their own relationship with Jesus and in understanding what the experiences of pastors are during this time, and that they are equipped and trained to be those thinking partners, those listening ears, and those caring places for pastors and their families during this time. 
I think that the partnerships that we're building, uh, having a vision for deepening those relationships and really getting into um, how we can help pastors navigate the changing landscape of pastoral ministry. That's the thing that really I'm focused on right now is that going forward, even, you know, we're in the COVID thing right now. So everything's up on its head at this point, but even going forward, uh, more pastors are becoming bivocational. How does that impact pastoral ministry and the challenges they face? And how do we as a ministry adapt and be flexible so that we can address those issues in a, in a helpful way? So I think we have to keep our eye on that. And um, I guess basically my sense of vision for the ministry is something that I, I have shared before. We are about found, following the bouncing ball. Uh, it's kind of an odd thing to say, but really just keeping our, our eye on the Lord and on our ear to the Holy Spirit and saying, what are the opportunities that God presents to us where we can step in and be a help? And encouragement, and we can build up pastors and their families. So uh, a lot of the vision we have is just that, keeping our eye on the Lord, and where is he taking us? What are the unexpected successes that we encounter, and how can we then maximize those uh, for the lives of those that we're trying to serve? So Roy, outside of uh, financial donations that we've already mentioned, what are some of the needs you see that PIR has uh, to be able to move forward into this vision? Yeah, so um, staffing is a big deal. Uh, we want to make sure that we can adequately serve. We're in a communication age. And so um, if someone out there is listening and they want to step into a, a volunteer communications director role, um, we're not going to put out an ad in any of the magazines or anything like that, but I guess I'll just say uh, we'd love to talk to you because uh, communications in this age is a big deal. So uh, being able to do that well is important. Expanding our staff. Uh, certainly we want to uh, make sure that uh, those who are serving in pastoral ministry who are not of the male gender are, uh, are also served well. So we would love to see, I would love to see someone come on staff uh, as a, a female staff member who's had pastoral experience and can minister alongside of us uh, to those who are in that situation. It's not that we can't do it now, but certainly would love to be able to do that. So those are the things that I think are pretty critical for us going forward uh, is, to, again, the staffing piece um, because of the relational uh, core value that we have. Well, this has been extraordinarily informative and helpful, and we are so glad that uh, you've taken the time to be with us. Roy Yankee, Executive Director of PIR Ministries, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, boss. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It's our prayer that the hope of Christ is a strength for you in this new year. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, Remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.